worthy of being lifted up. And so because of that, when we, when we leave together, when we depart from each other, uh, our takeaway is, is Christ. We're leaving with Christ. And there's some bad theology really in that because uh, it's, it's like you're taking ownership of Christ and leaving him. And I'm not saying that, so don't misread that. But what I'm saying is that that's what I want people, including yourself, I want you to take that away. When you see, when we meet together, I want Christ to be, to be it. Because I'm convinced, I'm not sure if you are or not, but I'm, but I'm convinced and thoroughly convinced, in fact I think about it every day, almost by the hour, almost by the minute, that Christ is it. And that one day when I get to enter into eternal life and uh, I'm in the presence of my Creator, and he begins asking questions if he were to ask questions of me. Things like, how good of a father were you? Or how great of a husband were you? Were you, Or how were you at being a slave to your employer? Um, those types of things. Uh, and I would start trying to justify my, my actions. And I would start saying, well, I was really good at this. I, I know I was bad at this, but I was really good at this and this and this. And, and uh, then he would say, well, what church did you go to? And I would say, I went to this church. And, oh, praise the Lord, you went to that church, you know. And, uh, and all those questions would come up, right? Uh, but I think reality is going to be this. When we reach that moment, the question is going to be, what have you done with Jesus? Because he's paid the price. He's taken the wrath of God upon himself. He's standing in my place or stood in my place. And so because of that, he should be priority of our life. I reminded one of our children this week, well, who created those folks? Well, God created them. You think God knows what he's doing? Yeah. He does, Daddy. God knows what he's doing. Yeah, that's right. And if he knows what he's doing and we do not, we should trust in him and him alone. And so the takeaway this morning is as we begin studying um, Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, we're going to talk about this battle that we are in. I've already mentioned to you, kind of um, as a preface, I've mentioned to you that um, uh, we are not living on a playground, but instead we're living on a battleground. And because of that, we have to be very mindful of that every day. We do have to be sober and vigilant, understanding that Satan, the devil, our adversary is roaming around like a roaring lion looking to devour us. Those aren't nice words. We've said that before. Uh, Satan does not have our best interest in mind like Christ does. Christ has our best interest in mind. He knows what's best for us. And so he sacrificed himself for our sake. John 10, 11 says basically that the good shepherd would lay down his life for his sheep. Satan is not that good shepherd. He does not have our best interest in mind. He only has his interest in mind. And he's roaming around like a roaring lion trying to devour us. And I only know my context of employment. I only know the past 16 years of working for a church. Uh, and so I see those moments in the body of believers more than I see them outside of the body of believers. So I'm probably not the best person to talk about these things. Talk about Satan and the battles that we're facing every day because the battles that I face are a little bit different than the battles you might face. The majority of my time is spent with 
believers, shepherding believers. And I see Christ Christ being exalted, yes, and I see Satan trying to devour Christians, disciples of Christ, those following Jesus. Though I wonder how we should make that important. We should begin thinking more about daily life following Christ and the battles we face in that. Oftentimes, we, um, we think that the battle that's going on is somewhere else. It's almost like those of you who have served in the military, and maybe you, um, you, were, you experienced war or some kind of type of battle. Or maybe you have a family member that's experiencing battle at this moment. And they're always looking forward to that moment when they get to come home from war. I can't wait until I get to come home from war. Come back to the comfort zone and get out of the battle zone. What Paul reminds us in Ephesians 6 is those who are followers of Christ never leave the battle zone. Are constantly at war. There is no comfort zone. In fact, part of the battle zone is battling the comfort zone. We are always at war. And I think we often forget that. Uh, I've heard a number of stories from missionaries or even stories I get to share of my own experiences about going to places that I would consider dark and evil. And I would, I would say things like, or others would say things like, that place was so evil, it was obvious that evil was lurking there. It was obvious that evil was in this place. I mean, we're sending out people on Saturday, this next Saturday, we're sending out people to go represent Christ his kingdom and our church here in two really different places. Kamloops, British Columbia and Cuba or Rencon Marquez, New Mexico on the Navajo Reservation. Two extremely different cultures. Two extremely different socioeconomic statuses. Yet the battle still remains. So there's some things that we really need to be thinking about as you wake up every morning as a follower of Christ. Do not put it aside and say, there is a spiritual battle going on, but I'm not a part of that. I'm not trying to make you second-guess your salvation, but if you have that thought of, there's a spiritual battle going on, but I'm not a part of that, you might ask yourself, why would you be convinced of that? Because if you are a follower of Christ... Victory has been won for you. And Satan, Satan wants to lower that. Or Satan wants to battle against that. So the ones who are actually in spiritual battle are the ones who have received the victory of Christ. Those who are following Jesus, they're the ones that are a part of the battle zone now. Satan wants you to feel defeated. He wants you to feel guilty of your sins. He wants you to experience the weight, the laboring of sin and make you be consumed with those things. But instead, you as a believer, if you are, you as one who's confessed Christ as Lord of your life, you're grabbing hold of victory. You're saying that Christ has defeated death and sin and conquered those things, and that the victory belongs to Christ. And so because of that, you're, you're holding on to those things. And so Satan, roaming around like a roaring lion, is set out to devour 
you and I. So because of that, we cannot think for a moment that we have left war and we are living in a comfort zone. We have to be reminded daily that we are a part of a battle zone. We are in a battle zone, a spiritual battle that everyone who's a believer, everyone who confessed Christ as Lord, is a part of. You can't put it on somebody else. Let's pray more for those missionaries because they're, they're the ones that are actually a part of the spiritual battles. We are all a part of that. Though evil may be more prevalent, so it seems, in places like West Malaysia or Brazil or the Navajo Reservation, still we are all part of those spiritual battles. We have to be prepared for those things. And so this is why Paul ends his letter here to the church in Ephesus and says, Finally, after all these things I've talked about, about your adoption, your inheritance, about what it looks like to live as a, as a new believer in Christ and as a representative in your marriage and your parent-child relationship and your employee-employer relationship, after all those things that we've talked about, this is really important. Finally, think about these things. You've been taught, now you're being sent out. Think about, think about these things. And he really brings like a call to arms when we get to this whole armor of God scripture. Matt Carter is a pastor in Austin. Don't hold that against him. Uh, I know Austin is a weird place. If you've ever been to Austin, you know the slogan is "Keep it weird," and so uh, so it is a weird place. I know that's very different than Lovington, uh, but he's pastoring a church there. And uh, one of the things he, he talks about from his own experience growing up in a Southern Baptist church is, and I've mentioned this to you before, is how the church did a really good job of teaching how to be ushers, teaching how to take up the offering, teaching those things, but yet failed in teaching how to place the full armor of God on themselves and how to. Be prepared for spiritual battles. Be prepared for our adversary, Satan, who's roaming around like a roaring lion, lion trying to devour us. And I think that's an indictment on the church, and I, I, I've had similar experiences. Yes, uh, though we, uh, we do teach the armor of God. We teach it in kids' Sunday school. Uh, we, we bring great illustrations about it. I had a little uh, paper mache uh, comic, Hagar. Maybe you remember Hagar. He wore a Viking hat and a shield and a sword, and he had a belt and all those things. And Hagar was a good little symbol representation of, of, uh, of the armor of God, and we made it into a cartoon, right? We, we said, look at this, and it looks cool, and we, we're playful about it. But war is no laughing matter. War is really nothing to play about. It's not a game at all. Though we have movies that depict war games, and it really is a weighty topic, very heavy. And because of that, it's something that we tend to not think about. We tend to push it away and give it to somebody else, and you think about those things. A few years ago, our secretary at First Baptist West Albuquerque was raised on the Laguna Pueblo. She's a, a, a Laguna Indian, and uh, she's a believer, and has kind of uh, done away with all those traditional Indian beliefs. And I asked her about some topics that happen on the reservation, uh, one of those being shape-shifting, or a human being able to shift their body or, sh- or change their body into an animal. And I asked her, I was like, do you really believe in that? Do you really believe that someone could change from a human into an animal? And her response was, do you believe in Satan? Do you believe in evil? <laughs> of course. I teach the Bible. Of course I believe in Satan. She's like, 
Who knows the power of Satan? Thanks be to God, I teach Jesus. This is what she's telling me. And I know that the power of Jesus is much more than the power of Satan. But I'm not going to shy away from and say that Satan has no power. We have to be mindful of those things. We have to be mindful that it's not just on the reservation. It's not just in a foreign country. But you experience, if you're a follower of Jesus, you experience spiritual battles every day. They look different, maybe, than a shapeshifter. But you are experiencing spiritual battles every day. And why is that? Because Satan wants to be worshipped. He wants power. He wants control. He wants authority. He wants to be Lord of your life. And you, if you've confessed Christ as Lord, have already declared victory is won. No one else, nothing else will be Lord of my life. Only Christ will be Lord of my life. And so because of that, there's a fight going on. There's a battle. Paul says it's a wrestling match that we're in every day. And the battle comes down to this, that Satan is trying to put weight back on you. So much weight and guilt and sin back on you that it would bring you to your knees and you would bow to him. But Christ has freed you from that, taken that guilt and the sin away from you, lifted that weight off of you so you could rise a freed slave, a slave of righteousness and no longer a slave to sin. And you could rise and enter the presence of the eternal king. Enter the presence of the king of kings. Enter the presence of the one who actually has defeated death and sin and conquered those things. So because of that, there's a battle. Who will be Lord of your life? We talked about last week, lordship is a, is a major topic in Christianity. And this is where we begin seeing it. Displayed for the world to see. When you enter into spiritual battles, who will be Lord of your life? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. This verse is pointing to uh, Psalm 24, verse 1. That the earth is the Lord and everything that's in it belongs to him. It's pointing to Christ's dominion over the earth and over the heavens. I mean, at the core of being a disciple and making disciples is Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Christ reminds us that all authority has been given to him. He's the only one that has all authority. Though there are many false people out, there are many false uh, words that are being displayed and, and false teachings that would say, uh, here's where authority comes from. Satan wants us to believe other things and say authority comes from, from him. But he has some authority too. But instead, we are reminded that the victor being Christ, all authority belongs to him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the, might, and in the strength of his might. When you face spiritual battles, if you try to face them on your own strength, you will fail. I will fail. If I try and face spiritual battles on my own strength, my own scheming, my own plans, I will fail. I will not experience victory at all. But if I'm strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might, 
Victory's already been won. And so because of that, that battle can be faced with the power of the one and the authority of the one who has already claimed victory in the name of Jesus. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. We can make this really personal because uh, being from, God bless Texas, being from Texas, right? Um, we put a lot of strength in our state. I'm sorry that New Mexico doesn't have that kind of power and strength. We put a lot of power and strength in our state and make t-shirts and bumper stickers and cool sayings and we have cool representatives like Davy Crockett. You know what I'm saying? I mean, does New Mexico have that? Billy the Kid, but he's he eventually went to Texas, didn't he? He knew better. <laughs> but if I put all my strength and confidence in Texas, where will that get me? It'll get me inside the borders of Texas, but it won't get me any further than that. If we put all our power and our strength and our comfort in the United States even, where is that going to get us? That's a great country for sure, but it'll only get us this great country. The victory does not belong to the United States. The victory belongs to Jesus. And Psalm 24.1 says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So if that's the case, let's put our strength and let's put our trust in his strength and him alone. Yeah, but I've got a really good last name. I've got a really good paying job. I've got a really good solid uh, make and model of car or truck. I'm going to put my strength, my trust in those things. Well, how far would that actually get you before they fail? So let's put our trust in the strength of the Lord that we know is not one to fail. In fact, God has yet to fail. He doesn't have like this batting average like I had growing up where it was obvious I failed more times as a batter in baseball than I was successful. And so Christ doesn't have that. He has yet to fail. So let's put our trust in Him. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Put on the whole armor of God. Like that's priority. That's something that we need to grasp. Daily, we're thinking about, as we enter to the battle zone, we're thinking about putting on God's armor and not something that we come up with, thinking that this is going to help us in this moment, but instead we begin reminding ourselves, I can try these things and they may, it may seem like they might work, but unless I'm trusting and putting on the armor of God, I will not have victory. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. To stand. You ever watched somebody put down concrete or make concrete? And at the end of forming the concrete, what do they say? Let's let this concrete stand. Why? So it can be firm, solid, immovable. Not ever being placed in another position. It's the same way with your life. Paul's saying this. If you want to be strong, if you want to stand, put your trust in God. Put your trust in His armor so that you can, so that you can stand. We can't trust in anything else. We have to. We have to trust only in God's armor, only in God's Son. We have to put our trust in Him. 
be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Greek word for schemes is where we get our word methods for the methods or the tricks of the devil, the schemes, the things that the methods that he's using to try and trick you into calling him Lord. Think about Matthew chapter 4 if you've read that before. When Christ was tempted by Satan and he tempted him to really fall away from and denounce who God actually is and the power and the control that he has and begin trusting in things of this earth, trusting in things that are failures, trusting in things that are not eternal, but instead are fleeting, things that will eventually go away. Christ knew that he needed to trust in something and stand in something that's firm and forever, and so he trusts in God, and he was able to face these schemes that Satan threw his way. I mean, we joke about people who fall into these pyramid schemes. Maybe, maybe you've experienced one before, but you think, if I do all these things and eventually I'm going to be whatever, rich, popular, um, sweet beard, whatever it is that you're trying to get to, and you, you, you come a part of this pyramid scheme, and you think, if I do these things and eventually I'm going to be at the top of my game, I'm going to experience the top, the abundant life that so many have, have talked about. It's a pyramid scheme. It's a scheme for a reason. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not guaranteed to work. Satan's prowling around like a lion trying to devour you using different types of schemes so that you would be thrown off base so that you would call him, call him Lord. A variety of things. Can I make it real personal? In the body of Christ, what do those schemes look like? I'll make it real personal. Get ready. I'm not going to say I'm going to step on your toes because this is something I deal with too. I'll make it real personal. The body of Christ, a scheme that might be thrown at us from Satan to distract us, to think of who might be Lord of our life, might be the color of carpet, might be the tradition of seating, might be the tradition of what a Bible Belt pastor is supposed to look like, or a traditional worship service is supposed to look like, or a contemporary worship service is supposed to look like. We get wrapped up in those things and we hear those schemes and those teachings and it makes us think about what's preference, what's Lord of our life, what's priority of our life. And we begin focusing on those things instead of what truly is priority. I mean, this is the battle I face every day. Is Christ truly Lord of my life? And if he is, why am I so consumed with these things? Can I please, Lord, help me to Stop being consumed with these things and be completely consumed with eternal things and the eternal king. And I think from conversations, some of you deal with very similar things. So that you're able to stand against the schemes of the devil. 4, verse 12 says this, For we did not, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So this is a moment where I don't want you to go around and blame everything on Satan. And when something doesn't go our way, we just um, say, well, obviously Gary's from Satan because he's saying these things. But I do want to remind you of this. This comes from Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 21. 
From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed on the third day be raised. Christ is talking about eternal things. Verse 22, And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. I mean, Peter here is doing what I think a majority of us would do. I mean, really Christ, really Jesus, really my Messiah, the one that I'm loving with everything I am, the one that I'm following. I mean, you're saying that you're going to suffer, you're going to die, you're going to be raised up. I don't want those things to happen. Do you remember this part, verse 23? But Jesus turned to him and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. I mean, this is Peter who later we're saying the church is built upon. This is Peter who walked on water with Christ. I mean, if there's a better example of someone who's real and really following Christ, Peter, I mean, he's, he's one of the best examples we have. And yet, Jesus called him Satan. I mean, if Jesus is fully God and fully man, then, then he knows all things, right? So surely he knew that Satan that Peter wasn't Satan. Surely he made a mistake by calling him Satan. I mean, Satan's the one that's bound to hell. Satan's the one that's against everything godly. Satan's the one that's all about sin. I mean, really, you're going to call Peter Satan? Jesus is setting the example saying, when your mind is on earthly things and not heavenly things, when your priority is on things that are fleeting and going away instead of things that are eternal, you're acting like the one that's against God. That's a really difficult moment for me. I can't imagine hearing the words from Jesus. Matt, you're acting like Satan. Come on, Jesus, there's no way I'm acting like Satan. I've read about him. He's terrible. I'm not terrible. I'm not about death. I'm about good things. He points it out and says, your mind is on things of this world instead of things of the eternal. We have to be mindful of that. So how do we stand up against that? We put on the armor of God. We stand ready. We put our strength in the might of the Lord. We recognize that He is eternal. He's the only thing that will ever last. And so we put our trust and our hope in Him and Him alone. We have to be ready for that. We have to be ready for those daily battles. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You know that, right? You're not just wrestling against Peter. Jesus points that out. I'm not just wrestling against earthly Peter, but I'm wrestling against something greater than Peter. I'm not just wrestling against flesh and blood, but I'm wrestling against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. I'm wrestling against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I'm not just wrestling against Peter. I'm wrestling against something greater than that. I want my attention and my affection. I want everything that I am about Christ and His heavenly things. I think this is interesting. Wrestling. I mean, how do you win a wrestling match? A wrestling match is a contest between two in which one or the other is trying to throw the other which is decided when the victor is able to hold his opponent down with his hand upon his neck. I'm going to 
win this battle by holding you down, putting that weight on top of you and holding you down, making you feel worthless because everything is, out, everything is on top of you. Anybody ever felt that way before? The weight of the world crushing you down, feeling like death is approaching? The weight of sin and the guilt of sin on top of you? And yet we have victory in Christ who wrestled against that and defeated death. Who wrestled against sin and conquered sin. We have victory in that. We have an inheritance in that. We've been adopted into God's family through the sacrifice of Jesus. When Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, when he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I mean, you, you guys know that reference. You know that verse. You've used it. But do you hear Christ is saying, Those of you who feel the weight of the world, the weight of sin, the weight of death on top of you, come to me and I will give you rest. I will lift that burden off of you. The guilt, the burden, the weight that Christ, that Satan is trying to put back on you, Christ will take that off of you and has taken that off of you if Christ is Lord of your life. I've used this example before, but in student ministry we talked about that backpack that you carry around. You put things in it. Your parents put things in it. Your friends put things in it. Your teachers put things in it. The world puts things in it. Only one can actually remove it all. And that's Christ. So you can carry it around and you can feel the weight of it daily. And you can try and adjust it, put it on one side and feel it this way and move it over here and put it on this side and try. And you're trying to adjust that weight. But until you come to Christ and allow Him to remove all that weight, you're still just going to carry it around. And that's what Satan's trying to do to us. When we enter into the battle zone, or trying to do what Satan is trying to do is just put the guilt and the sin and the weight back on us and crush us to a point where we, where we yell, like in Texas, we yell, calf rope. We have give up. I surrender to you, Satan. Like you've got your hand on my neck and you're pressing around me and I got all this guilt and this weight on top of me and I just can't handle it anymore, so I'm going to give in to sin again. Though Christ has freed me from that, I'm just going to give in to it again. We can't, can't allow that to happen put on the armor of God daily, and we say, the victory has been won. I'm, I'm running to Christ because he's taken that weight off of me. I recognize that Christ is the one who's defeated sin and taken away my guilt, and so only he would be the one that could put it back on me. If he's taken it away and it's in his hands and he's conquered it all, I'm not going to let anybody else put that back on me. So what Christ has removed from you, don't allow Satan to put it back on you or anyone else. You got the backpack and it's empty. Don't allow people to add things in it to put weight back on you. But instead, recognize that Christ has the victory. And he's taken the weight completely off. I may be the only one. I, I kind of felt like already this morning that this message was for me. So just bear with me till we end, Okay. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having all, having done all, to stand firm. We have to remember, we have to remember daily that we are not in a comfort zone we are in a battle zone we are not on a playground we're on a battleground it's not happening somewhere else 
It's happening to those, spiritual battle is happening to those who have confessed Christ as Lord of their life. Those who are holding on to victory, spiritual battle awaits you moment by moment. So how how will you stand? You, You have to put your trust in Christ. You have to say Christ is, he's it. And so because he's it, because he's one, I'm putting and resting only in Christ. Let me read this to you. Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in them. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. When we face spiritual battles, if Christ is not priority in that, and His armor, and His strength, and His might, we will fail. But if we hold on, if we hold on to the one who truly has victory, His name will be praised. His name will be lifted up. He will receive the glory as we face those daily battles. My hope is this, that you and I would recognize that Satan seriously wants to add weight to your life. He wants guilt, sin back in your, in your life. He wants to put it back in your backpack, your bag, whatever you're carrying around. Christ has removed that, never to be placed upon you again. As far as the east is from the west, he's removed that. And so do not let Satan win any battle, but instead stand firm in the Lord, immovable, not giving up because we don't labor in vain. We labor for the Lord. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for the victory that has been won. We thank you that the weight has been removed from us, the weight of sin and guilt. And God, I pray that you would, um, you would be glorified by the way we respond to you today that our eyes would be open to spiritual things, forever things, things that are not fleeting and going away, but instead things that are eternal. God, help me, please. I know my weaknesses. I see them so often. And I'm reminded that when I try and do things on my own, I'm not honoring you by that. 